this is Sarah Lemon, author of the Whole Dish blog and food writer for the Mail Tribune newspaper in Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. You can find it online at mailtribune.com forward slash podcasts and my blog at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. My most recent column for the Mail Tribune's food section, and those columns also are titled The Whole Dish, played off the idea of making comfort foods that I call better than boxed, better than bagged, meaning, of course, processed favorites like macaroni and cheese and chicken strips, fish sticks, things that come boxed on the grocery store shelves or in the freezer section. Of course, these are easy, just kind of go-to meals for busy parents and kids who perhaps are limited eaters. And we all love them. I, I love macaroni and cheese, even if it's from a box. I like crispy breaded and chicken and fish as well. Who doesn't really? But these things are so much better when you take a little bit of time to make them yourself. It doesn't really take a lot more active hands-on time. It just takes a little bit of planning, just having the wherewithal to thaw out chicken tenderloins in the refrigerator overnight, and they're ready to go with a very basic breading. Of course, if you keep a good array of pantry staples on hand, these are readily within reach on pretty much any weeknight. And of course, you're doing better in so many ways, not just better flavor, better texture, but you're not giving your family a lot of the food additives that are so common in processed food. It's exactly what you want it to be. You're saving money because these things are exponentially more expensive pound for pound if you're buying something that's processed than something that you're making yourself from home. And you're saving on all that packaging as well that goes in the garbage. Most processed foods are just highly over-packaged. And those are a few of the main points that I make in my column before I give recipes for macaroni and cheese, called better than boxed macaroni and cheese, <laughs> better than bagged chicken strips, breaded with a very, very simple coating of flour, egg wash, and panko. And then I gave kind of a bonus tuna noodle casserole that my family happens to love. Those recipes are available with the column in this week's food section. And that was published on September 25th under the headline, Homemade Comfort Foods Are Best. You can find those with that column at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash food. And while I've been perfecting my macaroni and cheese and my tuna noodle casserole (laughs) recipes, I've consulted a special edition of Bon Appetit magazine called Pasta Favorites. But when I went looking through my cookbooks more recently, I realized I could have gone much more succinctly to one of my favorite sources, and that's Anthony Bourdain's Appetites, his cookbook published in 2016. There are certainly signature recipes of his in here. Of course, he was renowned as a world traveler, and there are many that are inspired by international cuisines and his travels. But also just basic, good American fare from things that are gourmet that you prepare in restaurants to things 
most people are making at home. Macaroni and cheese is among these recipes. And he titles it very simply macaroni and cheese and then rails against the restaurant industry trend of elevating this dish, attempting to elevate it with things like lobster. (laughs) Get it out of his macaroni and cheese, he says. And truffles, including truffle oil, which he describes as petroleum-based chemical additive and the crushed dreams of 90s culinary mediocrity. (laughs) And I'll admit to being an Anthony Bourdain groupie. I have followed his career from the days when he was on the Travel Channel, absolutely loved that show No Reservations, to CNN's Parts Unknown, and I was so thrilled when Netflix finally picked up the whole series. And I owned this cookbook prior to that. And it's definitely been a go-to for a number of things that I've made, including borscht, which his version of hot borscht is absolutely delicious. And some other salads and sandwiches on a number of points. I could not agree more with his culinary concepts and his sort of vehement insistence on the right way to do things. And macaroni and cheese is one of those. At its most straightforward, it's most approachable, it's most kid-friendly, it's basic. And this one absolutely is. And because I didn't adapt the recipes that ran in this week's food section, specifically from this cookbook, I thought that I would give this recipe right now because it has all the things that I happen to love in it, including ground mustard, cayenne pepper, and Worcestershire sauce. It does call for ham. Could be optional. I'm going to disagree sort of mildly on this point with Anthony Bourdain that I prefer, I think, a crispy pancetta or bacon topping on this after it's gone into the oven or as a garnish right as it comes out of the oven, rather than julienne ham. I mean, sure, if you want some meat mixed in. I happen to like the contrast of the the crunchy pancetta or bacon. Of course, a lot of people put breadcrumbs on top of macaroni and cheese for this reason in my recipe in this week's food section, certainly stayed in in that vein. This recipe does not have breadcrumbs. If that's something you really, really like, certainly they could be added (laughs) in Brave Anthony Bourdain's Wrath if he was still alive. His recipe for macaroni and cheese published in the book Appetites in 2016 calls for one pound dry elbow macaroni, five tablespoons unsalted butter, five tablespoons all-purpose flour, four and a half cups whole milk. And it's important to note that good macaroni and cheese recipes are not going to be accomplished with anything less than whole milk. If you're still buying 2% milk, 1% milk, non-fat milk, and that's what you keep on hand for everyday use, you need to really go for the whole milk if you're going to make a really satisfying macaroni and cheese. So again, that's four and a half cups, two tablespoons mustard powder, two teaspoons ground cayenne pepper, one teaspoon Worcestershire sauce, eight ounces Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese grated, four ounces Gruyere, which is a Swiss-type cheese grated, five ounces sharp cheddar cheese grated, three ounces fresh mozzarella cheese cubed. He's going all out on the cheese here. (laughs) Four ounces cooked thinly sliced ham. As I mentioned, that's optional julienne. Two teaspoons salt or more to taste and freshly ground white pepper to taste. I 
certainly, certainly appreciate the preference for white pepper in this case, which is sort of classic in any kind of bechamel sauce, cheese sauce. It's my preferred pepper in my kitchen. I mention it a lot in my podcasts and my recipes. And white peppercorns are pretty readily available these days. I can buy them in grocery store bulk spice sections, and I keep a grinder of white pepper in my kitchen and use it more than black pepper. So this recipe starts by preheating the oven to 375 degrees. In a large heavy bottom pot, bring salted water to a boil and add the one pound dry elbow macaroni. Cook according to the package instructions until just al dente, then drain and set aside. Make sure you have both a whisk and a wooden spoon nearby and something to rest them on. You'll be switching back and forth between the two utensils as you first make a roux and then build on that to make a bechamel. In the still hot macaroni pot, heat the five tablespoons unsalted butter over medium high heat until it foams and subsides. Whisk in the five tablespoons all-purpose flour, then switch to the wooden spoon and stir steadily over medium-high heat until the mixture begins to turn a nutty golden brown for about two minutes. Do not let the mixture scorch. I've done that before, and it's no fun to start over. Whisk in the four and a half cups whole milk and bring the mixture just to a boil, stirring with the wooden spoon and making sure to scrape each part of the surface of the pan so that hunks of flour or milk do not stick. And of course, a whisk is not entirely adequate for this job, hence the the two different utensils. Reduce to a simmer and continue to cook and stir until the mixture is slightly thicker than heavy cream. Now using the whisk, whisk in the two teaspoons mustard powder, it's dry mustard, two teaspoons ground cayenne pepper, and the one teaspoon Worcestershire sauce. Then half of the eight ounces grated Parmigiano Reggiano, the rest is going to be reserved for sprinkling over the top, followed by the rest of the cheeses, four ounces Gruyere cheese grated, five ounces sharp cheddar cheese grated, and three ounces fresh mozzarella cheese cubed, followed by the ham if you're using that, and stir until the cheeses have melted completely. Stir in the cooked macaroni and mix well. Remove from the heat and stir in the salt and optional pepper. Transfer the mixture to a glass or ceramic casserole and top with the remaining Parmigiano and bake in the oven for 15 to 20 minutes. That's preheated oven to 375 degrees until the top is golden brown and the mixture is bubbling slightly. Serve hot or refrigerate and gently reheat the whole thing or in portions as needed. And that serves eight. Of course, my recommendations for the recipe are very easily adaptable. If you don't want to use ham, just cook some bacon lardons or some pieces of pancetta, render those down nicely and sprinkle those right on top as a nice little crunchy contrast to the super, super creamy, gooey macaroni and cheese. I like to think that Anthony Bourdain would approve of me citing his recipe in the context of my column about feeding kids because his daughter was eight years old at the time that he wrote this cookbook, Appetites, which I would highly recommend not just because I'm an Anthony Bourdain fan. You don't have to be one. You maybe have to tolerate a a few obscenities to appreciate this cookbook. 
It's got chapters on breakfast, salads, soups, sandwiches, the perfect burger, pasta, fish and seafood, poultry, which he calls birds, meat, side dishes, and dessert, which is sort of a trick because he doesn't really care all that much for dessert and specifically recommends just moving on to a really, really good quality stinky or blue cheese, which I happen to agree with completely in a lot of cases. He also has really, really helpful, I mean, I think kind of genius chapters on throwing parties and Thanksgiving in particular, how to really orchestrate a stunning Thanksgiving feast, at least in the eyes of your guests, with kind of minimal stress on the cook. Those are all things that he includes in this cookbook, which is about 280 odd pages. And it's pretty widely available. I think I picked it up at Costco shortly after it was published, but certainly well worth a look. That's Anthony Bourdain's Appetites. Thanks, Tony. Rest in peace.